0: Begin anytime. We're live. We're live on uh, unscripted narrative with
1: Michael Davis. Hey, Michael yeah. Davis, <laughs> how are you? Nice to meet you, Michael you, Davis.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah,
1: thanks for coming in on this Saturday.
2: So hit me, because I have to tell you, whenever I listen to a radio show or anything like this, yeah. they always have this like, hey, how you doing? And there's all this like filler for like, you know, like a minute or two. No, I'm, I'm bored. And when do I fast <laughs> forward to get to the part that I want? So I want to be the person, even though now mm-hmm. with my statement, although it's interesting, it's still part of the filler. Well, I yeah. don't want to be that guy or one of those <laughs> Here's guys. The question so th-
0: start. What part do you want? I don't care to start.
2: So, because the, nobody cares about the hey, how are you? They want to get to the meat
1: of it, hey, right? Here's the here's meat. Here's, Here's, meat. Meat. Here's the meat of it. Can tell me, you tell put me about a little those glasses. Tell me about those glasses panel? and that they match your shoes. Yeah, your, your your oh, Congress. I just went
2: up to San Francisco <laughs> and with my son, and uh, I went into the store and I thought they looked really maybe too cartoony, but they're they're two toned black and turquoise, and I guess they're the only ones in North America. It's a guy, place called Prescription. Yeah, uh, rims and goggles. The guy travels around the world trying to cool, coolest frames and I think these are the only ones that are in the
1: United States. And they match his Chuck Converse. So why oh, yeah? Okay, so
0: first and foremost, <laughs> here's here's the meat of it right now. By the way, you just brought his foot that's flexibility. Congratulations on the flexibility. For an yoga? Old Have guy. you done yoga? No old yoga. Guy. I mean you you're in you're in the industry. So Everybody... <laughs> there it is. Hey, you gotta work towards something. Yeah. Uh, so you guys know each other. What how do you know each other? Why why are you here?
2: Mike did an awesome <laughs> job. I um I, I really can't talk too much about it. I, I mean I was telling Mike before the show. I um I haven't done anything really since shoot 'em up that people have noticed. Like right. he uh, Michael Davis dropped off the map. Where is he? Anyway, it's been a long time. <laughs> but one of the things I've been working on is a animated piece that's just about done. We're working on finishing touches and then figuring out how we're going to put it out there. But Mike came in and did some of the sound design, did the entire mix on the piece awesome. and a total genius on it. Made it like high end, like big, big movie thing. <laughs> and it was totally fun. And it, it was, was the greatest thing because unlike most mixes where I sat in for like, whether it was like on my Charlie Band, early low budget things where I had to mix a whole movie in a week or shoot them up where I was there for not that long, but two or three weeks. Yeah. The director's just sitting there eating M&M's getting fatter because it's bored. And you don't know when to say, "Uh, uh, uh, can you fix that? Because they might be fixing something else. Yeah, right. And so we did this thing where basically I'm not showing up. You just do the work send it to me and i'm going to give you my notes yeah it's quicker and more efficient and i don't have to sit there being bored and don't have to worry about being the jerk of. dream client it's uh it was i super mean dream
1: fun. it just let me do the work i did the work and I how i put many- a video mm-hmm. s- sent it to him dropbox link he download watch it give me notes <clears throat> and detailed notes oh that's great not like general uh, generalized items it would be at this time code fix this sound
2: well, and also part of it is because Mike had designed some of the sounds, but I also did the rough stuff yeah. in Pro Tools so I knew what was there so yeah. I could ask for stuff because I knew actually what was there and what was possible. Mm-hmm. And I had done a little bit of mixing. and I had taught myself. And so it was actually a, a great way to work. I, I, it's the only way to work.
0: So um, you've, you're inventing a new way to do this then.
2: No, you know, really, I have to say, Robert Rodriguez, when he did the El Mariachi movies, you know, he shot it, he wrote it, he directed it. He also did some of the music on it. He did some of the sound stuff. And then when he did his first, I guess, what was the El Mariachi? What was the, uh, they called it the uh, the feature one with Antonio Banderas. Mm He was mixing even though he wasn't in the union or maybe he got into the union, had to be an editor because he wanted to do it all. Mm-hmm. And then in his place in Austin, he does all that. So I haven't re- really invented it. I just took advantage of I have no money. I might as well do it. Right. But there are guys out there that are really like I'm sure he's awesome.
0: So shoot him up. That's that. that that's a huge film. <laughs> big, big, well, big stars. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a good film. I it's mean, a big people know star. about it. People know about yeah. it. Uh, I heard you guys talking a little bit about when it, it when it's been on HBO. It's done really well, stuff like that. Um, where have you? What have you been doing since then?
2: Well, you know, five. You know, after Shoot 'Em Up came out, there are a lot of people that love the movie. The movie did not perform theatrically, and what happens with a director if your movie doesn't perform is they really look at your box office as your rating. It doesn't matter how good the movie was or... Artistic. You know, if you had a number of hits and then you had something that did, eh, it didn't do so well, you have these other things. But when I was a first-time studio director um, and it didn't perform, a lot. what happens is, is that a lot of people that pick the directors, the heads of the studios are probably, you know, seven real decision-makers, and then at the mini-majors, another seven, let's say 15 people that can pick the director... They have all these minions that come about. How about this guy? How about this guy? And they can't go and ask their boss to say, hey, the movie didn't do well at the box office, but you got to see it. It's awesome. The boss won't take 90 minutes to watch somebody's movie to hire. They'd rather go, oh, I know that guy. I saw that. Or I know that the movie did well enough. Yeah, I I think go with him. And so because it didn't perform, right, I uh, was in a position where... Um, I could get meetings. People were interested in meeting me, but I would never. And also, I have to say, I'm super picky. I've written and directed all my movies. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, well, if the right script came along, I would direct it. But I have to tell you, in many ways, I really don't like directing, but I like directing my own stuff because it's really is the only way I'm going to get to see it come to fruition. Sure, sure. But the actual job of directing is you're really creative like 5% of the time. Because most of the time you're sort of the concierge of the movie, and you're most creative when you're visualizing. And a lot of times the casting is kind of fun, but those are, you know, oh, I'd love to have Clive Owen. Well, I didn't take a lot of time to think about it. And then all these other people are doing things to make it happen. Oh, Paul Giamatti, he'd be great, but I'm not being creative during that time. Yes, I get to meet them and try to convince them to be in my movie, mm-hmm. but that's more of a sales job, not me in my head being creative. And then when you're on the set, hopefully if you've done your homework, everybody cameraman knows what the next shot is going to be. Here's the camera. He's pre it. He knows what you want. Um, and so when you are tweaking a performance, you're only really five minutes a day being creative. And so it's really not that fun, much fun. Anyway. So after shoot em up, I, you know, got a couple jobs writing a pilot, pilots, one of them, you know, the head of epics was very interested, but at that time, they really hadn't worked on a green light narrative. It took them two or three years later to do Get Shorty. If they had been more in a active mode, maybe my thing would have gone. Um, so recently, um, I can't really talk about it that much, but I have written and directed um, and self animated a um Pretty cool uh, feature length project. Um, and I'm excited because, you know, um, it, it's really cool. And I got to animate it. And I was creative 95% of the time, Yeah, yeah. It, you know, because I I did the voice recording. Mm-hmm. I, did the, I did a lot of the sound work, uh, obviously the editing, um, the drawing. Yeah, you learned that. So how
0: did you do the, the animation? Did you use a program? Did you learn how to do the program? Well, did you just self-taught? Or... No,
2: I mean, I, I couldn't have done it maybe 10 or 15 years ago. I It's hand drawn look, but yes, there is a lot of um, uh, computer uh, assistance. There was a pr- a program called Crazy Talk, mm-hmm. which I could do. I was a storyboard artist. I could draw a head, right? And then you basically, almost like motion capture, there's these dots that you put on the corner of the mouth, corner of the eyes, all these dots. (laughs) And then you put in the audio, right, of the actor's performance. Oh, that is cool. And then it automatically, and then you can actually, with your mouse, control the eyebrows, control the smiles. So you're then also doing, you're almost puppeting this drawing, a flat 2D drawing. That's how they do it. Well, not many people do it because they still do a flash animation where... It might interpret, but what I like about this is in the flash, you have a separate drawing for the oo position or the ah, and so you're actually kind of seeing pop 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 as the mouth is changing. Well, this doesn't do it. It's more like um, it. It's it's there is no key frame. It's a continuous, so it has this more real feeling. Uh, of a drawing moving because there's not a separate, it, it it's just kind of alive, almost like um, a motion capture. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's and then I had to, but then I had to do other things like I had to, in some ways, traditionally animate or flash animate mm-hmm. arms and gestures or whatever. Um, but I was doing like two minutes of animation a week, and of course it's not as good. But on a when they were doing hand drawn at Disney. The, the awesome animators, the star animators, would be doing like three seconds a week. Mm. Now, granted, it's way better than mine, but um, it's sort of in places it's better than Archer. In other places, it's not as good as Archer, but it's certainly pretty cool, cool looking. And the great thing about it is I feel totally con- in control. Nobody can stop me from making a motion picture because I can do everything. And again, that fits my personality. I do think the best directors out there are the ones they love making movies but they are more social creatures and so all that downtime on the set they use it to maybe make connections uh bond with people bond with the actors which might help them get the next gig cuz the the actor really wants to work with that guy cuz they got along and I'm just I'm I sound like I'm a really good chit-chatter but when I'm in on the set my parents taught me well you know if you're a big Big mouth. I look like I'm a big mouth, but um, on set, I was taught it's better to be a listener. You don't. Nobody wants to hear you talk all the time. And so, trying to be the cool guy, I'm always have this humility, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, and I actually don't like making chit chat because I it's not nutritional conversation.
0: Gotcha. So, what's the? Do you think that the if the landscape was the same uh, back then as it is now? Maybe shoot them up. Might have had a different approach, a different, because uh, you know th- they don't have to make it to the theater anymore. They can go streaming. Yeah. Um, I think that it's it's interesting. Do, do you think it's changed? Does it feel different?
2: I don't. I I, I don't think I, I don't think uh, it, it was too expensive to be made as a streaming movie. Okay. Uh, I did see that there's a Michael Bay movie that's on Netflix. It looks really big. With it's called Six Under, right? And I'm like, okay.
0: But there's some big, I mean, they're big right, but movies they're, on stream. But they're string.
2: people with big names, right? I was kind of lucky that I got Shoot'em Up going. Part of it was, and I benefited, is that New Line had spent all their money making all three Lord of the Rings movies. And they basically said, since we have no money to make movies, we're not developing anything. And then as they were coming up to the the end of all that period of time, they go, we have no movies in the pipeline. And because my movie, and my script had done very well over there, and they they didn't want to do any development. They go, this thing's ready to go, but if the Lord of the Rings hadn't been made, I might not have been in a position where New Line was sure. desperate. Right. The other thing that was has been happening over the years in the business, and this was happening ten years before Shoot 'Em Up, is they said that the movie business was moving towards you're either a blockbuster. Right. Or you're like these tiny, low budget, like the horror films that do really well. Mm-hmm. But the movies in the middle, the 40, 50 million dollar movies, you know, we're going to go away. And the stars that were sort of actors that weren't like Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks were not no longer going to get the money because they couldn't afford them. They would have to either go to TV or do the cheaper stuff. And so Shoot 'Em up actually was made sort of in the middle of when all that was happening. And, and I can understand that. The Marvel movies, you pay the same 10 bucks to go, and you're getting all this stuff. Yep. I mean, even people, that movie that did well, Wanted with James McAvoy, was a $95 million budgeted movie. But people think that my movie was made in the same range because it was the same genre. It wasn't like gigantic special effects. Right. But it was made for $30, 30, $30 million, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, one-third the budget, right? right? But it's still and i and i also think that people uh, the, i mean the Liam neeson movies they haven't done as well lately cuz they're kind of tired but when he first was doing those action things like taken or yeah, something yeah, like that was yeah was kind of a um the exception to the rule so i don't think that shoot 'em up you know it was great when it happened um but i don't think i and you know, i don't think a different time or place would make a difference it is what it is gotcha and you know the people that really like it really like it and you know, and I also wouldn't be doing this cool thing now if the movie had succeeded or succeeded in a medium way. You know, what would I do? Like, I uh, interviewed for Red Two, right, the sequel that Red, and which I actually liked very much. And the one of the execs when I took the meeting he says, "Well, that was about one of the best director pitches I've ever had." And then I talked to him a little bit later. He goes, "But I can't go. I can't pitch you because your movie didn't perform." I can't get my boss to watch, you know, your movie cuz he's too busy. And he also said and I think uh I think this was helpful for me to hear. He goes, "You know, your movies, you've written and directed seven uh movies, all have your signature on it." Yes, that's what I was going for. I've always <laughs> admired directors that had a signature. Yeah. But we don't want a signature. We want somebody that's going to, you know, execute the script. And and I understand that. They want to pick somebody that's going to do that at the same time I'm like the script is done. I, you're going to watch my dailies every day. If there's something in the one day of dailies, you hey, that's too Michael Davis. Don't do it again. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think I'm going to really be able to change the script that's written? It's already cast. It's already got, you know, Bruce Willis in it. It's already got cast. How am I going to change the tone so much to make it Michael Davis, right? Um, but they're still so concerned that they get the right guy to fit, fit their um, – Product their brand, that they're, they 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 don't they wouldn't want my I could elevate the cool action and go oh my god it's so fun and I, that scene was great they don't really want that they don't really need that they they don't want to take the risk of me doing something eccentric, right and I, so so there are a lot of different things that happen when you know unless you're Wes Anderson right most uh, studio movies are. Um, uh, products. I mean, even look at, like, one of my favorite uh, directors is Bob Zemeckis, and if you look, uh, Back to the Future was sort of the, the the culmination of all this stuff, but if you look at it, stuff like Used Cars, or I Want to Hold Your Hand, there is a Bob Zemeckis style of performance that is, I don't want to call it cartoony or camp because that would denigrate it. It's not, it's just this highly enthusiastic, energized, you can, when Doc Brown, I'm sending you back! to the future, but you still buy it in the context. It's realistic for Doc Brown. He had this style, right? But then as you go on and he does that, you know, what was the, I can't even remember his later movies. They're more homogenized, right? I mean, even, I mean, he could never do that kind of performance in Forrest Gump and Forrest Gump's a great movie, but it's not Bob Zemeckis signature, And Forrest Gump was a great novel, so it really isn't even his.
0: Stood alone.
2: And, And so a lot of these guys, I think somebody like Bob Zemeckis realize it's harder to write a good story and then get it through the machine and direct. I could sit around for three years as Bob Zemeckis after, even after Back to the Future and finding something awesome. Or... If they're going to send me, hey, you know, there's this, you know, this movie with Tom Hanks in it, and it could be Academy Award winner. Yeah, I'm in. Or they send him. I do give him credit for the CGI thing that he did with, uh, you know. Um, Lieutenant Dan. Uh, what 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 was the, yeah the um, well, anyway, you know, he had that studio up there that he was going to do. No, it. he
0: had, well, Lieutenant Dan didn't have any legs yeah, later they, on. Yeah. Oh, you're, so which one are hard... you talking about? In I Forrest thought, Gump. I thought you were talking about Forrest Gump. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he did those CGI movies. He did the one with the naked fighting in it, the CGI. What oh, was it? Beowulf, right? Oh, and okay. did he do um, the Polar Express? Was that him? Um, he did. He had the he executive produced uh, Monster House, which I thought was really good. But again, unless it has the backing of a Disney or a Pixar, sometimes these movies. Anyway, he was trying to do something where he didn't have to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the set and be quiet. Anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I yeah.
2: wish that Bob Zemeckis had more signature. Steven Spielberg's earlier stuff has more of a signature. Yeah. Somehow they get worn down, and they just want to work.
0: Yeah, right? right.
2: And I and I find that boring. And my favorite directors are people, you know, you know, you know, like a uh, Wes Anderson, or you know, most recently the, you know, the most awesome movie, you know, in the past ten years is Jojo Rabbit. If anybody's seen that? I
1: anyway, just got that as a screener. You, go, yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. I've heard that, hmm. Michael. what What was the uh, what was the the thing that led you to uh, get into this business? Yeah, that was going to be my question. You for know,
2: sure. I kind of was stupid. You know, you read about all these guys like, um, you know, hey, Steven Spielberg was thanks, making Mom.
1: Yeah, no, I was.
2: <laughs> I, you know, I love going to the movies. I love James Bond, but somehow I didn't connect. That there was actually a career or a job out there. Mm-hmm. Oh. And because I could draw, I'm, I'm good at drawing when I go to art school, right? And so I, and I was, you know, i always liked these, uh, this uh, illustrator, NC Wyeth, he did the Treasure Island or the Norman Rockwell because they were more storytelling imagery. But even when I was going into illustration, there was no home for that storytelling illustration. Uh, it was just dying, right? There wasn't. And but I like telling stories, so I realized, oh man, I always wanted to tell stories. I had thought about becoming an animator, and so I had gone to art school at Parsons School Design, majored in illustration, and I realized I wanted to make films, and so I went to USC Film School okay for graduate school. But again, it's a young man's game, and I you know got out of school when I was 27 and a half starting my career, but that's what led me to film. I always loved James Bond, loved Walt Disney. Went to art school, duh, and then went to USC. And
1: then, is that was your first gig as a storyboard artist? Was that your?
2: Well, I, my first gig as one of my, my two uh, seminal ones, I got the storyboard of Chuck Norris movie um, uh, called Missing in Action 3. <laughs> and it was kind of sure. the one moment I realized it was sort of the signature moment of how my idea that I really wanted clever action, that I was tired of the boring action scenes. There's a scene where Chuck has rescued everybody and uh, they're all in the truck and it's a plane and they're going down the runway and there's one guy who can't make it and the the whole hand thing, right? Well, there was another guy in there who had a crutch and Chuck takes the cane and redoes the extension and brings him in. And I go, oh, it's kind of clever. And the yeah. director, Joe Zito, really liked it. And then I realized, oh yeah, I, that's what I like to do. I also then was also lucky that I got to storyboard the second season of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Wow. And so it was a combination of that. Um, and I always thought, though, that drawing, and because I was drawing the vision of the show or the movie, would lead to directing, and uh, it didn't. I, I realized later that nobody wants to promote you from storyboard artist to something else. They, they want to I am a tool in that director's toolbox. Yeah. And it's no good if I get as my career succeeds, then they have to find another guy that right. they have a relationship right. with. They got a
1: hole in the boat. Right. And so <laughs> I actually
2: hated the uh, storyboarding because you were going to talk about it. Like the best director that I worked with in terms of utilizing me was Ron Underwood on Tremors because he was the only director who had storyboarded, albeit with stick figures, every <laughs> shot he wanted. But at least then I could take his three by five card. OK, I'm going to draw that. But most of the directors are so busy because there's politicking, rewriting. Yeah, yeah. They're always, um, uh, they just say, draw it how you direct it. Mm-hmm. But that's crazy because you could do, hey, this is a really <clears throat> dramatic scene and I don't want editing. I'm going to create this mise en scene one camera shot and it's all going to be one thing. Or you go, I want it to be this really intense, like you feel claustrophobic. Everything's going to be tight close-ups, right? But it's a lot of cuts, Right. Or I just gonna do it super simple, like a it's standard, you know, uh, coverage. A director has to tell me that, or else I could I could take any scene in the script and I could come up with probably fifty on their own, their own unique way of right. doing that scene. And then so then how do I guess what's in his head? And how are my storyboards gonna be useful if he hasn't told me what he needs? So let's a, peel this
1: back yeah. a little bit of oh, what we're gonna say. I was just gonna say, so is there a is there a time when you work with that director to actually get that information and w- like what would be the why wouldn't you get it like if you're that important of a person where why you're going you get that director? yeah I why wouldn't that, you get that
2: well i'll give well, I, I, a lot of ex- examples is like i um it was two weeks after i'd gotten married and i got this call hey do you want to go down to mexico and work on a john mctiernan movie it's called medicine man oh, okay so it be pretty good so I can get on a plane and all of a sudden they, I'm the only guy because they had already started production, right? And apparently they had uh, some locals that they hired, but the person wasn't cinematic. They were a great illustrator, but not. And so I got down there and it was in the middle of nowhere. There was this condemned hotel that they had turned into the crew quarters, right? Everybody had bonded and made friends. And I was, I'm, as I told you, I'm not really good at chit-chat. And um, I meet John McTiernan. I love his, movie, his movies. And he tells me, oh, you know, do this scene, right? And and, um, and I go, what well, do you want to do? No, just give me ideas. They all say they want ideas because at a certain point, for them to direct me, they have have to take the time to do the work themselves, right? To tell me and to get it in their head. And a lot of times, it's <clears throat> there's so much other politicking going on that they haven't had time to do the homework. So they don't want to meet with me because they don't want to look dumb they're great filmmakers but they don't have enough information but on that film there was one scene that there was a big fire in the uh, the forest right and I think the producers wanted to lock John down about what are we, how big a scope is it going to be, how many nights are going to be, you know, what are we going to see, how dangerous is going to be. But he hadn't figured it out. But he goes, just draw how you 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 direct it, right? Because he figured there might be a few key panels that he could say. Da, da, da. But it was also a way for me to go away, right? And I'm not the best. Interesting. From, from an illustration point, uh, I like on Ninja Turtles, when I storyboarded, I could do like 120 panels a day. Most storyboard artists who are better draftsmen would do 20 or 30 panels a day. But I'm like, it doesn't matter how well I draw it. I'm supposed to give them ideas. So I came up with this really quick style. So I did the forest fire and I, would, I really had done it in a day, but I kind of knew that he didn't want to see me that quickly. I did it in two days. And mm-hmm. I showed him, he goes, w- where, what are you doing here? I thought I wouldn't see you for a week. So then <laughs> he didn't like the way that the Sean Connery had the sketchbook um, of all the Indians in the rainforest he was drawing. But again, the locals were so um, good illustrators, it didn't look like Sean Connery's sketchbook. So to start doing sketchbooks of the rainforest Indians. And then I'd bring him a stack. Oh, you're back again, right? <laughs> well, now do some... Sean Connery would run out a uh, uh, paper. He'd be drawing on leaves. So now go and draw leaves. And then I'd bring him a box of leaves. <laughs> go away! <laughs> right? But so, but again, um, you, you, you know, I'd I,
0: well let me let me bring it back a little bit okay. because we we have we have uh we have audience members that know a little bit about film and some that know nothing about film. What what is storyboarding? What what is the purpose of it? Because I, and I love that that you're talking about it because we've talked to directors so far and you know you're looking at it from their perspective i've never looked at it from a storyboarder's perspective so this is really really interesting to me what what is a, the job of a storyboarder and um just what's the process for well, you do you read the script do you come up, up up with it from the script the
2: the ideal idea of it is is that you know film obviously is a visual medium and for everybody to be on the same page of what is the vision of the director got it um, can we document that because a picture tells, a, you know, worth a thousand words, mm-hmm. we can see what day do we need the crane? What day do we need I the see. steady cam? Um, uh, where should we park the trucks? Cause he's only going to see this way. We're never going to turn around and point the camera so we can park the trucks back there. They, the drawings can help show the artistic side, but they also help from the technical side. Oh, this scene, because, so basically the, the storyboards are basically static sketches of all the angles that the director foresees that he's going to shoot for a scene.
1: Yeah, it's like a shot list on paper. Oh, kinda, yeah, yeah, right? it's like a picture book. Yeah, nice.
2: And the nice. the best version of it is is in the animation world with like Walt Disney or whatever, mm-hmm. they would draw exactly what the animators would draw. So the drawings were even much closer to the vision because you took a static drawing and then you saw it animated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the storyboard artists, they would have what are called pitch sessions where, Hey, here's the script, but wouldn't it be funny if we did had Donald duck, you know, even though he's not taught Mickey's talking, but Donald duck has this trouble with the B and the B <laughs> is going up his thing. So even though Mickey's talking about something boring, we have this whole funny thing with yeah. the B going on. Yep. And then they would eventually, because it costs so much to draw, they would make make sure that whatever was in the storyboard was exactly what the animators drew. Now, if you picture that on live action, there's a lot more um, leeway because you're not an actor can do multiple variations. You can, you know, um, and and you're gonna have a lot more coverage. But even still, it's still the idea is this is the vision that's in the director's head. Nobody he, he can communicate that, so he doesn't have to tell everybody right. every single
1: time they have a question. Do you have do you have a Uh, Do you have a meeting about the storyboards that you create? Do they live in – do they exist in a specific spot somewhere where you can, like, go inside the trailer and you sit down and you guys have this meeting and he goes, blah, 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 and you go, okay, fuck that one. Here. Well, yeah, sometimes
2: they – I do rough thumbnails, but a lot of times it's more they they talk generally about they want unless it was like Ron Underwood, Mm -hmm. which was the best way. Yeah. Um, And then some of these guys just want me to give them ideas. I see. Of ideas for angles and sometimes ideas for comedy. Like I did this movie, Jack Frost, and there was this big chase where the bullies are chasing the kid and Jack Frost. And it was just a, and it's a chase. Mm -hmm. Well, then I ended up doing this funny thing where... You know, Jack. You know, the 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 snowman could kind of pick up the snow, and he could like rotate like 360, and and, and then do these speed balls rings, right? <laughs> but he then he gets hit by a couple uh, snowballs, and they look like two breasts, and he's like, <laughs> right? And that ended up in the trailer, and it's funny, right? And it's not in the script, uh-huh. but it's like I'm giving them like That's story great. ideas, yeah. And so sometimes they don't care. They know that they they know how to get the coverage for a scene, but they don't have time to think of the fun ideas. Okay, so so
0: this is why I think this is is so interesting to me. I, I, when I look at a film, I don't think about a storyboard artist. I don't think about any of that. That's why it's, there's, to me, there's so many moving parts when it comes to a movie. I, that's the one thing I can say out of out of the the few podcasts that we've done when we're we're, we're interviewing folks like yourself or having conversations, I I am overwhelmed with how much actually goes into. Ma- I'm overwhelmed in thought. Well, with but, what, to but, making but, a film. Well, that incredible. Step, but
2: if, step back from it, okay, is that when you when you look at a building, right? Do you think, of course do you think about all the plans or of not? Of course not. You don't, of course, but not. if I asked you to, you would start thinking about. It. Well, they probably had first an architectural uh, rendering of what the they were going to absolutely. Gonna write. Then they probably had the blueprints, and then they had the details in the blueprints, right? Well, it's the same thing, right? Right. Um, the thing, the, the reason you probably don't think about it that much in film is, I have to say that most directors suck, <laughs> and most don't care about the visuals, but and that it's only when you um, watch something and you go, oh, my God, the camera's telling a story. And I'm I'm guessing it's been a while, but I'm just thinking about, oh, let's say, you know, Marty is talking in Back to the Future is turning to Doc Brown and they're talking and they're talking the, and Doc Brown's saying at 12 midnight on the clock tower and the camera kind of moves around and goes love. So by the time he talks about the clock tower, the clock tower has uh, has been framed deep in the background. And then when he points to it, you can rack focus. Mm-hmm. So within the story, you're not just cutting. Oh, he says clock tower. And then you do a separate shot on the clock tower. That's so cheesy and simple, right? The camera moved, moved, and then mm. told this amazing, interesting story. Um, when the camera does that, it's so beautiful. But the thing that makes me so mad is like Spielberg used to do it in all of his movies You know, he had all these amazing, like only he had that signature kind of storytelling shot. But all the uh, critics would say, oh, you know, he's so interested in this camera pyrotechnics, it takes you out of the story, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. And now he doesn't do it anymore because he's an important director. He's going to direct like Sidney Pollack. But these guys, these critics neutered him. From what was super awesome with him. Yeah. And only they as critics, because they're so aware of cinematography, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, that movie Birdman with Michael Keaton. Oh, I Keogh. love that okay, film. Now, you know, it's all, all I, one exactly, shot. Exactly. Right? I do know okay. that.
0: I love that uh, about it.
2: Okay. But wait, um, a couple of my friends went to see it and they go, oh, I really love that movie. And then you go, um, did you notice the whole movie was one shot? No, I didn't really think about it. So all that awesome so the stuff, point of it? my point, <laughs> yeah, is, no, my point that's is, is that the the, point? where the critics notice what the camera is doing, and it took them out of the story because they're super smart, they're super smart, but the, but the average person isn't as smart as them, so they're not thinking about it, yeah. but they still get the underlying richness that it wasn't just this crappy cut, 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 cut thing, right? And that what Spielberg was doing was uh, elevating the art form... And because they they were too snooty, they scared him off from continuing to elevate the art form. So why does why do we
0: have what is the point of a critic? And we just talked about that a little bit with Jonesy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And and a critic in a different regard, he's a stand up comedian. And his critics, and he's also a podcaster, and, you know, this whole edgy place we live in with the with the world, you can't say things. Uh, that's the type of critics we're talking about in, in that world. In this world, it's different. It's like, what, what is the, what is the, abs- are critics even useful?
2: I think so. I think at the end of the day is, you know, everybody's crying about artistic freedom or whatever. But when you have 100% artistic freedom, you end up making more mistakes. When people are putting... Um, challenges in front of you. Um, to you work actually, within parameters. You do better. Like Truffaut said, you know, I was better when I had less money than more because I had to come up with creative solutions. And I think the fact that there are critics out there, um, they create a those parameters or at least they're policing the bad men out there that aren't, you know, they're going to make something incoherent because I just want them to do it that way. Um, true. My frustration is, and again, it's an economic thing. Like you go to the Rolling Stone, right? And they're going to have a heavy metal, um, uh, album reviewed. They get the critic. That's the expert in heavy metal. They have a country album. They don't get the heavy metal critic unless he happens to be an expert in that too. They have the special guy to do that. Right. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you have the person that loves to do the artsy Academy Award movie, right, reviewing, you know, an earnest movie, right? Well, it's not your thing. How yeah. can you review? They should have people. Categories. That, this is the action yeah. film. This is the comedy film, right? Or they should step back and go.
0: That's a Who, great idea. That's a very very but, good idea. But but again,
2: idea. there's not enough money in it now for them to have, unless they have a bunch of stringers. Now, right?
0: What do you mean money in the in the film like, industry? Because
2: well, again, it's not. This I'm going back to when I was an old an old guy. Like when the you got the Daily Paper and you'd see Kenny Turan's review of the movie. You wanted to see what did Kenny Turan yeah, say right, about right. the colored purple? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They would have. They had at the LA Times two to three regular reviewers, and that's it. So you couldn't have, like, the horror person, the action person, the comedy guy, the arty film, the indie film, the Academy Awards. They couldn't afford to do that unless they were freelancers. But then the freelancers wouldn't have the mantle of, I'm the, you know, the reviewer for, um, you know, the New York Times. You know, mm-hmm. I car- my review carries weight. It's changed now because they, nobody reads the paper. You have to go to a movie site. I don't know anybody who regularly gets their movie reviews from the L.A. Times, or the New York Times. They either go yeah. to the places. And I, but I also don't like the, um, the Rotten Tomatoes mm. because, again, it's an averager. You should go to people that you trust.
0: Yeah, I, I, I uh, do a, a show. It's not a very popular show. It's a fun, It's a show we do for fun with some with with my my family and my, my wife called WTF is on Netflix. So we've, we review something that comes out. It's either a series or, or a movie. And we very rarely agree with Rotten Tomatoes Our our take on it. We're not experts. We're just common people. And there's some insights we might catch that maybe a critic might catch. But uh, we're just generally going, were we entertained by this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were some things that might be weird here and there. Were we entertained by it? We very rarely agree with Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's a horrible, horrible parameter. Is that a good word? A horrible judgment uh, of what uh, what a good film is. I've not found that I agree with them very, very often. But
2: I do think now it's changed that the voices that are commenting are so dissipated that it is easier to find people. Oh, he's, I liked what he said here. I like that movie too. You can find the person that you're more simpatico True. with, where it used to be there were a lot less voices. The problem is there's so much noise, right? That it, sometimes <clears throat> it's hard to find those people. And the average film goer doesn't really, they, they probably spend more time looking at a can of Campbell's soup and how many calories and carbs it has than, you know, like, I had people that told me, oh, I couldn't wait to see Shoot'em Up. I couldn't wait to shoot'em up. And then I didn't know it was out in the theater, and it was gone. <laughs> and I'm like, here's somebody who is looking for my movie. There are a yeah. lot of marketing issues. But how can you not find the movie if all you have to do on a Friday and go to Fandango and what's new this week, right? You didn't know my movie. Then you're not checking Fandango mm-hmm. or a movie phone or whatever once a week, right? right? But the, the, I, I, I'm, I'm just frustrated with the lack of work people are willing to do. Well, it's getting anywhere.
1: worse and worse. It's, it's, it's
2: not just it's about the worse film and worse. business. Yeah. And, you it's know. true. It's, it's yeah.
0: entertainment in in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm, they go to the flashier, the stuff that's right there in their face all the time. Maybe well, they piece,
2: also want to be part of the, of course. the zeitgeist dialogue. And Absolutely. I think that's great, too. Yeah. My wife doesn't like uh, um, uh, Transformers, but because everybody was the thing, she felt compelled to go see it.
0: Did she enjoy it?
2: She, she had a good time.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I hated that film. Okay. Well, I don't know why I just it, that's me though. I'm not into those types well, of I'm not into that type of a film for whatever reason. It's yeah. just a little too there's no texture in my opinion. There's no hu- human texture. It's just but that's the film. That's what it was meant to be that and I'm sure it did well. I'm sure it sold well. I
2: think that if you went back like Everybody's going to go write you and go, Oh God, Michael Davis said that. that is so crazy. People don't give somebody like Michael Bay enough credit for being a performance director. And you go, Whoa, all oh, those explosion all the camera, or whatever. You look at his first film, Bad Boys, okay? <laughs> he has two prima donnas, right? Martin Lou- Lawrence and Will Smith, all on their way up, right? Yep. And the movie, half of it is improv. And most improv sucks because it's messy. Mm-hmm. It has, it's like, it's like how I said at the very beginning of the show. We have all this talk, 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 right? But before you get to something that really means anything. Mm-hmm. If you were to do this, if you had a time crunch, you would cut all that out and you'd go, "We're here with Michael Davis. Hey, blah, 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 blah." So here he has all this improv with these funny guys. He reigns them in. It's his first studio movie, and Bad Boys is a pretty good movie, and those guys give a great performance, yeah. right? Yep. And so, and it, yeah, it has these big action scenes, but he wrangled those guys. i was
1: I was just gonna say that word i was is part, part of the job for somebody like you michael that that is on the set and dealing with multiple personalities of other people and and you know men, women, children, or whatever. It's the director's job to bring those. Uh, he's the concierge. He's the guy who's I like... I know. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's just the camp
2: director. He's the entertainment... I tell you, you're right. But he is sort of just the
1: but, person but, that but jollies my, everybody but Michael, up. But Michael Bay's uh, uh, recommendation, for sure, is being able to allow for the improv, but keep it inside the scope but, of...
2: They, they, he. Had the director, yeah. part of what they do is, again... To denigrate the directing field, they'll hate me at the DGA. Is that when you get great direct uh, actors, they it's such a gift the performance they give that yeah you can kind of guide them or every once in a while they might have the wrong angle on the scene, but most of the time it's way better than what you pictured, mm-hmm. right? And so you're the the performance that you're getting is a gift you haven't molded it yeah it's the the actor's talent but the one thing that you can do is create the right atmosphere on the set
0: and And, what's and what is that to you
2: well for me like on shoot 'em up there was a thing that the clause was that clive owen would not never work longer than 10 hours right and so that means that maybe i had to sacrifice a few, few shots or whatever it didn't really you know it didn't matter we you know he worked really hard on it but we worked really hard on hey you're ready to go home now right you're you know you're not going to be here you, doing honoring, long hours
0: honoring his agreement right and yeah. then
2: so he had a more normal work day and so that was part of it but again on that movie everybody really got along it was fun it's not that hard of a character or performance to perform. So he was always, you know, you know, right on. All the actors nailed their performances. So we were just having fun and goofing around, you know, and um so it wasn't hard. I haven't been on a set where well <laughs> I alright, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop, but uh, but there was a big movie, very important movie with a big important bloated star, right? And I think there was some – the director was going to give a big speech or whatever, right? And then somebody in the middle of this important speech passed, you know, made a – (laughs) farted. And the director was so upset because of so –
0: Disrespectful. Disrespectful.
2: Or you hear stories like on another giant movie and the director was a real jerk. That somebody poisoned the food, so everybody got dysentery and everybody was miserable. Part of it is they just wanted to stick it to the director. So uh, my my thing is is basically like the, don't the, be doc, the f- no d- no harm right. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to become don't yeah. you know I like on my, my on shoot 'em up they offered me what kind of car do you want right and there was a stip in the budget. And I took the cheaper. I got the Toyota Tercel. I don't need to show up in some big-ass cool car, right? I think it's cooler that I show up and I'm like a normal guy because I'm the, the the person. He's not a dick. Yeah. But again, I think sometimes you, being a dick, you can scare people into performing better for you.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think mm. I could have been those directors. Sometimes the work is more efficient because people are – are working out of fear, but I just don't want to be, live my life that way. Hey,
1: what uh, we both have one one actress in common. What uh, what was it like to work with Carrie Russell?
2: Uh, well, that was it was great. I mean, again, she was so perfect. I remember when she walked in for the audition. I go, oh, she's so watchable. Yeah. I hope she can act, and then she could. And I made this little movie called Eight Days a Week. It went to Slam Dance, and I shot the movie in fifteen days and. She was just um, a real pleasure to work with. She got along with the lead actor Josh Schaefer. You know, there was a lot. There was one scene where we did a montage where she tried on twenty different clothing outfits, and that was really (laughs) fun for her because she just got to pick things out of a closet, um, do do girl stuff, Mm -hmm. and do girl stuff. And it was at a point where she hadn't she hadn't gotten this was six months before she got Felicity, Mm. so she was somebody who was still. I'm sure she was this way all along, but at that point when they're hungry and they're not stars. And I also found that that age of actor, I made a number of movies with high school and college kids that they just are so willing to please. And they haven't Mm. gotten Mm. not
0: Diva
1: status yet. Yeah. 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 I worked on a film called dead man on campus with her. Oh, okay. Sure. And man, she was awesome. Um, Oh, she came in for, for, for ADR. Yep. And then, uh, I want to say two days later, maybe maybe three days later, but that week, uh, my wife and I went to see uh, Mickey Hart um, at the turn. and we're standing out on the out on the corner waiting to go in. Yeah. And at the time, I had long hair, and so she comes up. She goes, "Hey." Dun, dun, dun. Didn't didn't I just work with you this week? I'm like, oh my nice. gosh! Whoa! So we ended up actually hanging out that night. That's, that's really cool. cool man. And uh, uh, but she was wonderful. Most yeah.
2: most of the actors out there are like that. Yeah. Um. I've only had a couple occasions where it was um troublesome. Most of the time, they're really super hardworking. and yeah. Really grateful. Yeah. For what that's that's a, they're, that's they're a, they're a joy, isn't it? They're, when they're, when they're, you
1: actually get that and not the fuck you part of them. Yeah. It's it's a big it's a big. But I can,
2: you know, I have to understand, I mean, I think if going back to the theme of wanting to be creative all the time, you think about an actor, right, that can work often. First of all, they they don't want to do something crappy because then it's going to hurt their career and then they no longer have any status. So they sit around waiting for something to be sent to them, right? And then when they get to set, it's the same thing as me getting to five minutes of creativity during the day. They're in the trailer probably, you know. Uh, seventy-five percent of the time.
0: Wow, that's crazy. And
2: then, and then in between gigs, it could be six months before they do another movie. So they're where do they get to do their creativity?
1: Yeah,
0: that is that is a great point. That is I can understand
2: why these guys destroy hotel rooms because they why (laughs) I gotta do
0: so I gotta act out. Well, in the beginning (laughs) of their career, it's it's all the time. I mean they're pushing, 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 pushing. Well,
2: they're, they're taking classes and they're all that's exactly. And they're auditioning, but there's a level of frustration and I don't know. I think if I were an actor and a successful actor, I would have a second dairy business yeah, like
0: writing or
2: or like Harrison Ford was a carpenter. Right? And the you know, and that's how he ended up getting uh star wars because he was in american graffiti you heard know, everybody knows the story right he was the the kind of the jerk in the uh, american graffiti and then they were uh reading for harrison ford uh, uh for han solo and he was doing some repair work for for lucas and they just had him step in and start doing the reading this oh was either God. it was either for indiana jones or star wars Career. and they go why don't we have him read and then you know why why aren't we just thinking about him <laughs>
0: I'm sure he's not doing any carpentry now. No, No, I don't know. Maybe he's crashing airplanes, right? (laughs) Uh, He he came to. I work at a in in aerospace, and we work on a very important aircraft. And he came out. uh, You know, you have to have a clearance to work on to be around this aircraft. And uh, one day there's this hush hush. Oh, there's someone coming. There's, you know, we have important people that come a lot. Right. Because our our company was trying to get a big contract and stuff like that too. So we're getting heads of state and stuff like that coming. You don't you never know who you're gonna get. So during this time we're getting all these tours and, and we're like, who there's somebody very important in that building right now? Well, who is it? Oh, we heard it was harrison ford no kidding and uh so we went and we went in there's a big crowd around him and he actually got up to go into the cockpit of the aircraft and he said something really briefly but uh yeah i've seen i saw harrison ford there at work at my he came to my job uh-huh. <laughs> came to my job but, but uh, again
2: but that's the thing is in between jobs he has time to go to your company because what else is he going to do what
0: else <laughs> and they let him and that's awesome i mean it Take some of our people uh years to get a clearance to actually be able to s- stand around that thing. And he, I'm Harrison Ford. I'd like to go see the cockpit of that bad boy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. So, what is what is it about? What is your most favorite thing about this this weird business, movie making? I mean, you say for you, for total creative. Well, I process. don't know.
2: More specifically, there's two parts. I love the screenwriting process because. It's kind of a state of conscious dreaming where you are sort of the god. Anything can happen. And I also like the editing process because Mm. the stress is over where you have, you know, a hundred people working and you have to get that shot before the sun goes down. That's all gone. And when you're cutting off the stuff that sucks and you're putting shot together, shot together, the reality now becomes real because you no longer have cameras and lights. It's just the world of the movie. And also then with the editing, there's this sort of music and rhythm Mm. that happens in no other art form. It's sound, it's performance, it's humor, it's drama, it's the static cut, 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 cut or the long camera move or whatever. And then when you add the sound and the music, it's this ultimate art form. And when you get to put in all the things that you can, you know, um, on your palette and it becomes more and more real. And you go, that's the way I imagined it. Oh, my God, that's so fun. And you play it over and over again. It's like magic. You conjured something out of that's nothing.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's not, that, that's the second time where we've heard that yep. from somebody. Yep. Do you think do you think uh, there has been an evolution in the editorial process uh, where now digitally you have way more freedom to change stuff up until the very, very end? compared to back when you cut negative?
2: You, you know, I have to tell you, I think that the footage kind of speaks to you. And yes, it's quicker and easier when you do it on film. But I think that most of the edits, because there's some great editing that was done prior to the digital age. Mm-hmm. The, I think the problem with the digital thing is it makes the the people that don't know anything ask you to make more bullshit experiments right yeah. um, and so in some ways it's frustrating um, and and it all it does is just accelerates the way they squeeze the people below the line they can get more out of them or more work mm. f- in the same amount of time I'll say
1: Michael you were the you are an exception to what I'm about to say but that trickles all the way down to the sound, yeah. sound people
2: we, we talked about this man
1: it is very difficult because as the budgets were large you used to spend a long time making the soundtrack yeah working on the backgrounds and the sound effects and all that stuff and now what you were saying is you shot um you shot your movie in 14 days or 18 days or whatever that's kind of normal now for yeah. some
2: projects. Well, I mean, I mean
1: yeah, you, it takes years or whatever to make Avengers. But can, the the low-budget, independent yeah. world, that's normal.
0: If you do an average, if you do an average of all the films being made, the, the ones that are taking that long are the few and far between. Right. It's, you were, you're probably seeing way more of the ones that are taking 15 days, 20 days. Just
1: the filming. Yeah, right. Just the onset work. Right. Right. And then, <clears throat> pardon me, then um, the... Uh, The budgets go like low budget union at forty thousand bucks, and now we have people talking to us wanting us to do stuff at thirteen thousand bucks. You know, you can't do it. You're now
2: you're talking about the budgets for this post sound. Just the sound. Yes,
1: just the sound. It's like shrinking. the the thing, the
2: thing, the difference is, is that ninety minutes is ninety minutes. It doesn't matter whether or not it's low low budget or not. At a certain point, um, yes, it's it's easier to call up sound effects. But over the past 20 years of the digital age, it takes the same amount of time to find that bird's and that tire squeak, right and, and, and putting it in there, mm-hmm. right? And so at a certain point, there's only a certain amount of and there, and, and some of that stuff you can't um, uh, use artificial intelligence right. And on, right, right. And, and it, it takes a certain amount of well time, time is to do. time,
1: but the, but, the, but the, the time factor, the time doesn't change but the money did. Right.
2: And so but like <laughs> so you're on dealing
1: all... with like, you're like the client is saying, yeah. I want all new sounds. Don't give me any of this rehash mm-hmm. bullshit that we've right. heard for it's, the everybody's last Everybody's heard. Yeah. You know,
2: but the only difference is, is like I had very little, I was like one of those squeezing the money thing, but instead of have asking you to do it, I said, why not? Cause now it's easy for me to learn and that's, do. That's what I'm saying. Take that small amount of money. And rather than asking you to do all of it, I would do this amount. Yep. If the part that I have no skill, no artistry, no technical ability um, can't do right, mm-hmm. then I turn it over to the experts. And so, yeah, the thing that it helps, but um, is that the filmmaker can do more of it. But when you're on a studio movie, you can't cross the lines right. in terms of the union yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless you're Robert Rodriguez and you, you know, pull yeah. a fast one. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but that squeezes that that squeezes folks like. Michael. I mean, now there's less opportunity because because the budget, you know, filmmakers are trying to do it on their own. And so now he's got less work coming his way. And then his boss is probably trying do, to what, do, do, you, do there's you much think? more negotiation happening, yeah. probably to get projects. Do
2: you Have you found that or do you think that there are more projects being made because more. People can get films in the can more cheaply. Do you think it's affected your ability to get it work? Because at the end, you've got to do the fun part of the fun part. Yeah.
1: That's what I was saying about you being the exception okay. because uh, that project that we did together, uh, it was a dream. I mean, you handed over all the creative right. juice to mm-hmm. me. At, like mm-hmm. he took it to, uh, you know, to, to the A and handed it to me at B and said, bring it to C. And then, I brought it to see, he gave me notes, and then it was that was basically it. The, the way that this world is working in this, in this area, and even in Atlanta and New York and Florida, everybody can do sound. Yeah. Everybody can do sound. For example, Michael Davis said, Well, I don't have a lot of money, so I'm going to teach myself how to do it. Yeah. Dude, if you saw his Pro Tool sessions, hundreds of tracks of sound effects and backgrounds and cool that were already there that he put in yeah right the, the technology like our laptop here and our microphones and and our phones our smartphones i just figured out last week uh from buck that i can control pro tools now from my phone mm-hmm. wow. wow yes but yeah, you know exactly but at the end like, of the day though shit. is
2: that there is a world of indie filmmaking, but most of those films never see the light of day. And the end of the day, the 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 star power in making big movies that's not really going to change or are affected by the technology. They're still going to have the big sound houses, yep. the big sound editors. Yep. Um, and, and, and so some of these people that are teaching themselves, they aren't projects that really would come across mm. um, your transom
0: anyway. Well, it wouldn't. It, and, and it wouldn't. And, and like you said, with uh, the uh, what was the film Birdman, like like that film, nobody noticed the average. The average viewer didn't notice. Uh, they don't always notice. They won't notice why a film sucks. They won't notice. They'll just go. It's. It wasn't good. They they will.
2: They do notice. They mostly notice if the story was bad.
0: They'll notice that. But what I'm saying, let's say the story is really good and it's filmed well, and the, the 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 final. They didn't have a budget at the end for the for what for what Michael does. Putting that final sound. The final sound touches on it, and they watch the film. They're like. You
1: know, it just kind of sucked. I couldn't understand the dialogue sometimes.
0: Yeah, it was really low, and then like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, they may they may be able to go. Oh, yeah, the sound was not good. But do you think they're really walking away from it, going, yeah, the sound wasn't good? I think they'll just go. It just didn't. It just seemed cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like they're coming. I think
2: that I do think that works on a subconscious level. That's what I mean. But I do think that in most cases, like. When it's a studio movie, there is a level of standard that is met, and it's never the oh man, man. They might not like. Oh, I hated all the songs they put in there because they were so. I didn't like their choices, right? Um, but most of them, they there's a standard there. It's yeah. the um, it's the thing. Like let's say, like you were reviewing stuff on Netflix. Some of the stuff that is Netflix originals that they really paid for, they're gonna have a standard. But yeah. sometimes they pick up stuff. Oh. That is like you know they're just filling out their library. That's where you can kind of the cheapness oh, comes in. Totally. But you, you can usually, but you usually can tell first by the casting. Oh, yeah, well, you yeah. can And it's the casting, I mean, point. and the concept. But it, I understand there are a few that that happens with.
0: And well, it did. It happened. Oh my god, it happened with the film. It's a Netflix original. I don't know the name of it into the wilderness or some dumb, some dumb title like that has Rob Lowe in it. Okay. That's pretty good casting. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Some of the ADR in it Mm -hmm. was just, I mean, I could tell it. I have a sharper eye maybe than most, but you're like that. that, They did not say that right there. (laughs) They did not say that. It was so cheesy, yeah. Hallmarky bad, yeah. <laughs> and it was it. It's a Netflix original, and yeah. they're promoting it, and it's got Rob Lowe in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm, I, I, I. There was a moment after watching that, I was like, What are we do- just kicking out shit? Yeah, are we just kicking yeah, out shit for the sake saturated. of kicking things out? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, you know, where were, the, uh, where were the critics on that son of a bitch? Well, now, you know, now
1: the, you'll you'll see that they don't even the critics don't matter in that. They world. don't because
0: Netflix is throwing their, that putting world, their money it,
1: where their mouth is. It's yeah. exactly it. They're their, the budget. They're they're paying for it. They're releasing it on their platform. They don't give two but, but shits. They, but do
2: you remember the days you went to Blockbuster? I I think there is a certain. I have this theory, okay, that the like with the genetics, right, you have a certain amount of people that like outdoorsy stuff. There's a certain amount of people that like indoor stuff. There are lot people that prefer uh, English class to math class and vice versa. Yeah, right, right. Right, right. And every generation, there's roughly the same proportion, yeah. right? And so I think also that the same proportion of bad movies versus good movies on the shelves, the blockbuster, that same proportion is almost the same proportion of what they have on Netflix. And I don't know why that is, but there's always it's the true. same. In some ways, it's That's depressing. True. Is humanity getting better or is it the same? Do we repeat ourselves? <laughs> well,
0: uh, you know, and it's okay if it's the same because the models worked if it is the same. But, uh, you know, I guess, I guess. Just like anything else, like music, you're going to have people that like the cheesy stuff. I mean, there's people that don't necessarily like the edgier or the more independent. Mm -hmm, mm. There's people that love the, you know, the real big action films and the superhero films.
2: Hopefully somebody, maybe somebody out there
0: like that. Rob Low movie for other reasons. Yeah, right? sure, sure. It was wholesome. I mean, I I could see why people. It was wholesome. Okay, that's let's a nice say, word, Jason. It was, there's no cussing. <laughs> yeah. It was a real, It it was all about the elephants. Let's save the elephants. Oh, okay. It turned out to be an elephant film about okay. elephants. Really. Um, well, there was. Okay. I watched the whole thing. I didn't shut it off. Now, did
2: you watch it because you were going to review it for your podcast? No, nope, no. Nope, this was. Were you watching it
0: with the family? I was watching it with my wife, and and we, she never said stop it. because... No. <laughs> It had some redeeming quality, but you're you, could both see, guilty. you could see the visible flaws in it. And yeah. you're like, I, I came away from it you are to blame. It's true. <laughs> you're right. It's true. Michael I'm Davis. to blame. It's it my great. fault for finishing it to its end. But, you know, I'm committed. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. Nice. All right. I'm going to raise no quitter.
1: I'm going to raise have a question <laughs> for you. Uh, where can people find out information about you? Yes
2: they can't i mean all they're not are you I,
1: are you prior to the internet no can't no be. but
2: i when Instagram up came wikipedia out and, <laughs> yeah i mean but that there's stuff that was wrong i think again i thought it was really funny that i was working with this uh producer over at warner brothers and he was talking to this woman who was a big exec over there and she goes oh i'm going over to england next week i'm going to try to have a meeting with michael davis <laughs> And he goes, "What are you talking about? Well, M- Michael Davis. He it says in Wikipedia is from England. No, Michael Davis is you know born in Maryland. I'm working with him right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, um, I, when Shoot 'Em Up came out, it was right before the whole Twitter and Instagram and yeah. all that kind of stuff and setting up your own blog. If I that if the movie was coming out now, I'd be all over it. Mm-hmm. When the new thing comes out, I'm going to be all, all right. over it. But because shoot them up, you know, after it came out and it didn't perform, I didn't want to be one of these douchebags that was just, you know, have you ever seen this thing? Hey, I'm in Austin, Texas, and there's a Starbucks right near the airport. Yay! Right? Or <laughs> they right. take right. a picture. I just had the greatest fajita. All right. <laughs> Even if it's a star, I didn't want to be someone that's adding the clutter. I only wanted to self-promote or put that stuff out there.
0: Mm. But uh, I would love to. See. But there
2: is a good. There's like a video I did. My friend Jack Perez was doing a uh, web series for Berman Braun, and he did an interview with a bunch of um, uh, filmmakers. And I did a piece with him. And you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. was like this or whatever. Um, but they but they can find out about me. There's enough on there. They can okay. see the animatics that I did. If you go to YouTube, Michael Davis animatics. And when I have finally have something new to put out, I will establish this hub or centralized yeah, please. but there was no reason for it cuz i nothing was coming out and so it seems almost like um kind of sad hey look at my site but right
1: but well dude, not necessarily nah, i be, don't yeah. Be, well
0: okay so cuz cuz i mean we've had to we have not had to work hard to have a conversation with you and there are people that you have to have you have to work hard to have a conversation you gotta with me. you. Got to pull, pull it out. It yeah, out there's of them. there's personality behind who you are, and I'm not saying you have to sell your personality. But sometimes this is a weird business, and you you a lot of ways you do. Yeah. I'll tell you, I would have loved to have seen those a picture of those damn glasses right next to the Chucks that you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, On your Instagram, this and is then, how I'm rolling this, on Wednesday. This is I'm <laughs> right, but i But exactly,
2: the thing right. is, is that there's no reason to get generate interest. I want to save all that Stuff but you're the reason when I, that would help, I get uh, interest it. to the project. That it, would, it wouldn't, it there. Then, then, the thing is, is I would become this personality that was a personality with no substance because I wasn't making anything. Like, there was a period it. of time, not I think later on, he kind of reinvented him, but like Kevin Smith, after he did the Bruce Willis movie and he realized, Hey, I'm not a studio guy, right? He was on Superman for five minutes or whatever, right? And then he but these guys were using social media, but he but wasn't like um, he wasn't uh, creating work or what w- wasn't relevant. And then all of a sudden, he had a a, a TV show, and then he has a daily podcast yeah, or yeah. whatever. And then he start he's going to do Clerks again, and, and all yep, that yep, stuff yep. feeds. Exactly. But but all that stuff helps him. Now, as he's bringing bringing his product out, it all becomes interesting. But I don't want to be just uh, a – and there was an element like even Tarantino and Kevin Smith like being personalities just like public figures. Right, right. right. I don't want to be that guy. I'm about what I create. And because I wasn't making anything or didn't have anything in the pipeline that was going to come out soon, I felt like it was sort of – dishonest you have people okay. interested in me when there was nothing interesting coming out from me so, it's just it's just too much everybody's branding themselves everybody's hyping true. themselves why do they need another person out there hyping themselves it's just you know too many that's the problem <laughs>
0: because you're incredibly entertaining yeah, right? well, well i, I know just, but that's but what then, i was again, just gonna but then say I, michael, I, then i would
1: just be michael you are extraordinarily <laughs> interesting <laughs> and i mean to the maximum you're a you're a beautiful human being <laughs> You're insanely smart. Yeah, you make great art, and you have grilly you have you have opinions, and
0: people want to hear those opinions. I was talking to my I was talking to my my fellow co-hosts uh, about this. Um, maybe sometimes people with a strong opinion they can be polarizing, right? But who wants to listen to a, a person? Even let's just pick sports radio. Who wants to listen to a person on sports radio that's always in the middle? They yes. don't have a strong opinion about anything. People who are entertaining, they're not and, compelling. They're man. not compelling. You. No. Even if it you don't like their opinion, you're listening, yes, right and it, obviously it just just in this little bit right. of time meeting you, you have a strong opinion and, and a really good way of of putting it out there mm-hmm. of of drawing a picture with your voice,
2: but you know what's interesting though is that i found I've heard differing stories about like uh Oh, we didn't hire that guy because we think he's hard to control, right, mm. so then he wouldn't get hired or I heard like I heard stories like why yeah. why did they- get, uh get hire that director because he was already a maniac and a jerk, and they the executive says later on this is the reason I hired him is because later on. I could wrangle him and that would then I could help mm. my career cuz I can say this is what I did because it's harder for mm-hmm. executives to claim what did I contribute to this picture and they wanted to have the director uh, the difficult director so that they could get a feather in their cap of making him work they made mm. it work but, yeah but yeah. again not, and again not to be political but then you but, but you look at these people on the left and the right with like their radio shows right yeah and yes, they have this certain opinion. Right. But they're going to probably sell it harder to be more controversial and more listened to. Potentially. But, but you also go... Like you take these people and you go, you're going to pay me 10, I'm going to make $10 million a year to spew this bullshit. Yeah, I kind of believe yeah. it, but I'm going to make it more bullshitty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's $10 million and they're going to be people that are going to pat me on the back for it. It's easy to fall into the rut of believing your bullshit when it's for the money. I wonder whether or not if these people were not getting paid anything, whether they really would be this caustic yeah. or extreme.
0: Do right? I I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think as as a listener of podcasts and a listener of personalities and people- there's a believability. You know, it's, it's no different than, than a really good actor. You can tell whether they really did not believe their role or whether they really, really did. Because yeah. you, f- you don't even consider them as the, the actor that they are anymore. They are that character. And I think people that are doing it right are the people that are true and honest to themselves. And they really believe uh, Yeah, but their I also
2: opinion. do believe you're, they're a product of their environment. Like my uh, you're right. father-in-law um, grew up, his father was a Democratic mayor of a very, very small town then he went to work for a big company and he was sort of one of the suits. And because he's there day in and day out and he's one of the suits, he moved from being a Democrat to being more Republican because he was part of a different culture. And even at first, if he didn't believe them, but you're going to lunch with them all along, at a certain point you, have, you can't be quiet all the time. And then all of a sudden when you start hearing it, there's also this neural pathways. And if you're yeah. only hearing a certain stream of way of thinking – People, the culture that you're in doesn't, might not move you 180 degrees, but it moves you 30 degrees. So you're like a
0: chameleon. You become a part well, of yeah, it. Well, you become re- yeah, to yeah.
2: adapt because it's just yeah. you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be great in some places, and other places not so good.
1: Well, listen, I would rather, I would love to be able to go somewhere and to see live updates on Michael Davis. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Me too. well maybe when my
2: new thing comes out, I'll be much more active.
1: That's really, I hope so, because I feel like I've gained a lifetime friend sure. working with you, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, just staying in touch, you know, even texting like we do. Well,
2: mm-hmm. you've been a great friend, and I've learned a lot from you, and it was one of the best experiences, artistic experiences, yeah, and great. that's what I live for. Yeah. And so awesome. we're going to work together again. We're going to pal around some more. Yeah, and, that's great. Um, and I really appreciate More Mediterranean
1: dinners.
0: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds tasty. Cool. Um, but,
0: yeah. All right, well, let's get into some
1: rapid-fire love questions. Okay. So basically what this is Michael is is Jason's going to present you with options like he's going to mm-hmm. say do you prefer morning yeah. One night. Uh, there's one of the questions okay, on right. too. And so you're going to then you just give us your opinion. We talk about so it. But maybe. do you
2: want me just to answer and then he moves on like rapid nope. fire or he wants you, me to talk to. about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to... Re- but do you want the high energy like like on those game shows <laughs> like how many questions can you answer in 30 seconds or no, do you want me... to okay. just answer honestly. It's like the... It's a longer version of what's your favorite word on the yeah. actor's studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, exactly.
0: we grow our responses organically Okay, here. So if there's, if there's more that needs to come more can come. Uh, in fact, I think Jonesy answered a question, one of the questions and it was probably about 10 minutes of, yeah. of, of talking about it. So it that's was. the kind of stuff we're talking about here. In fact, I probably should change the name to like random questions instead of rapid fire because there's nothing rapid, rapid about, about this shit ever <laughs> okay, since right. we did There you this go. Dis- another part of the discussion. It's just another thing how we end it. We like to do this kind of thing. It's kind of like the uh, desert Island question sort of. Well, it's right?
2: almost like it, you, 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 your your show is called unscripted narrative, yep. right? And so you could be um, random thoughtful questions or something hey. like, again, is like the the
0: two things Same, that go... Yeah. You know. yeah. I like it. That's great. I like that. See? Yeah. Michael Davis. He just storyboarded the shit out of that. <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. Where would you visit if you had the chance? Where would you visit maybe that you haven't Oh well, there
2: chance. is a. There's apparently some great James Bond museum in Switzerland that they built uh, on the place that was going to be like Piz Gloria in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and you have to go up there, and, you know, like in a little skyway tram up to the mountain in oh, no, snow, okay. and it's in Switzerland. And it would be like really a fun kind of trip to do.
0: Cool. cool. All right, that's a good one. Are, are you a morning person or a night person?
2: Night person, but yeah. I, but I have, I'm not one of those people that are crabby in the morning. I, I can and. You know, I have to say I used to not be a morning person. I don't know what happened 10 years ago Maybe my meds changed or whatever, but I'm like, I wake up and part of it is because I don't have to drive anywhere to work. So the moment my mind is engaged with art, uh, doing my art, which I can do in 20 seconds moving out to my garage, yep. I'm alert and I'm in a good mood.
0: That's awesome. And
2: But I can work late too. Well,
0: yeah. how, how early do you get up?
2: There was a period of time on that last project, I was getting up at 5 a.m. and going to bed at... 2 a.m. and I'm making my own deadlines. It's just like I couldn't wait to get wow. back to work. That's it exciting. Fun. Yeah, that's so Nothing
0: cool. better than doing something that you really are excited to do because time, time goes away. Mm-hmm. Time goes away and actually you you just want to keep doing it. Yep. It's it's great. All right. Uh, where would you want to retire? Um, or do you think in those parameters, retirement?
2: I, I, I wouldn't be able to afford it. I would like to Six months in Manhattan and six months on a someplace in the Caribbean with the uh, Gulf of Mexico like water, a, a
0: snowbird in in, uh, in in that area, right? Yeah,
2: uh, whatever. But I, I wherever I would uh, retire to, I I like the stimulation of an urban environment.
0: That's awesome. Nice. I like it. All right, <clears throat> summertime, right? Yeah,
2: so yeah. spring, summer, spring, and fall. Summer,
0: yeah. So gold or silver.
2: Well, gold gold finger right everything gold is better right <laughs> james and it Bond. has a, i also like the golden hour in terms of lighting and the coloring that gold brings right in, term, in terms of all that yeah yeah and then there's the golden period of somebody and then there's the the golden voyage of sinbad <laughs>
0: All right, so golden it is. He's thinking. Uh, What is your favorite sport to watch?
2: Basketball. It is the most. There's no stop and go like baseball or football or anything else. It's more. It's it's cinematic. It's back and forth. And every time a shot, especially a longer shot, is released, there's this moment of what's going to happen. The drama, suspense. It's going to happen, right? And unlike football, where (laughs) you have all this equipment. You can see the personalities and mm, they, you can see that in basketball, there are more known characters yeah. in the storyline of a season than any other
0: sport. Do you see, Michael, why you need something in Instagram or something? <laughs> because oh, every, most people will go, nine. most people will go uh, here, I'll do it. Most people go like this. Uh, Michael, what's your favorite sport? Um, basketball. <laughs> cool uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: no but you, I mean, you were exaggerating for no, it you I would mean, go because but, because you were a mixed martial arts fighter right yes, and so was, you true. wouldn't have said That's basketball true. you would have said mixed martial arts because i used to kick ass and then you would have gone on and on <laughs> so you were not being truthful there
1: <laughs> michael
0: <laughs>
1: right.
2: oh gosh that was great
0: all right what, what is the last thing you liked here we go on social media what was the last thing you liked? And what what's your social media of choice, first of all? what Do you even use yeah, it? Yeah, do you use it?
2: Uh, you know, well, I don't even... Would you call this... There, uh, I go to a site um, at Vimeo called Everything Animated because... That's it, social the, media. The, okay, it's, technically, I don't huh? really communicate with it, but I see what's new in um, animation that's coming up. Yeah. Um, but in terms of things that were
0: are cool, like Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'm not, Twitter, I'm
2: not. I I don't right now. I don't use them. Uh, I mean, you know, like I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a jerk, right? But like, you know, on my birthday, right? You know, my <laughs> wife will say, "Oh, you know, you got 50 messages on your Facebook page about you know people wishing you happy birthday," right? And then I don't want to be the douchebag that goes "Thank you for all your kind messages, everybody." Right? You want to? You want to be like, "Oh, you took the time to write something," but then somebody people go "Happy birthday, bud," and then it's to me it becomes this obligation, yes. right? And then right. and so then and 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 I'm not interested in "Hey, look at the new baby," right? <laughs> I mean, I understand how that binds people together, right? I right? Do. But like. Uh, <laughs> You know, for (laughs) our new project, I was working on the the website, right? And I just loved, you know, um, making the the, the website and having a lot of buttons that made things happen, little animations happening inside that. I I don't know what that is, but I don't know. So I I can't – I'm going to give you a bad answer. (laughs) I don't – Vimeo probably – Okay. Uh, Wiki, I have to say, I use a gazillion times whenever I'm writing, just to research. And then I'm always interested. Sometimes you come up and you go, "Wow, I, I never knew that. It's really
0: interesting." Yeah. All right. So, uh, it's the question is underwear. So I'm guessing. Do you wear it? Do you go commando? Yeah, Do you wear underwear? we we can go. We can it, it, reveal it if you like. Well, I always we'll go...
2: like that phrase, but it applies to women, which is uh, underwear
0: is outerwear. <laughs> Ooh, that's Madonna, yeah, right. Well, that's...
2: Anybody, any, any. I just love the idea. It just sounds kind of sexy, and it, it's got a poetry to it, and that's what you know.
0: Definitely.
2: But uh, I, well, boxer's so briefs, but the the
0: answer is boxers is that, briefs or commando. Well,
2: oh, the the for the, uh, my wife's working now. The laundry doesn't get done that often, and it's, sometimes I'm like, "Fuck it," I'm you know, I'm out of underwear. I'll just go commando <laughs> because it's just. Um, too much
0: work, and I want to get back to work. No, I get it. But it's not about well, like
2: being commando. I'm an old fart now, so well, it, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no under yeah. the commando thing. Right? Well,
0: and the work is in your garage, so you could be doing the work in your underwear if you yeah. wanted. So good. For yeah, you. you
2: know, I feel more focused when I'm at least dressed. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> you, but I, but I might not I'm have s- the boxers on yeah, or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, hard or soft?
2: Hard is always more interesting. <laughs> because because then, then no i'm talking about <laughs> well again okay but if you're talking about when you're <laughs> with a girl right that's great uh, but also yeah. if you're having opinions being you know not being wishy-washy and soft right oh so you know, i know what you mean being being you That's have what, if you're talking about the word decided right, Right or you know, in general, I'm not a person that likes mise en scène in filmmaking. I like yeah. the hard cut because it's like it, there's this like a drum, yeah. right? Cut, 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 cut. Hard, cut, hard cut, hard cut, hard cut, right? So, so if
0: you so. if you were to pick a, an instrument, you'd be a drummer, or no, a, or, no, you, no. or slap of the bass, the bass player. No,
2: I would probably be guitar, or piano, because I like the flow of it. Oh, Okay, but but you're the hard and thing is a whole other because there's so-
0: there's piano forte that's mm. soft.
2: Right. But I mean, you go back to somebody like Carrie Russell, right? I always like girls with smaller breasts because everything's going to be tighter, slash, harder than droopy and soft. Over the yes. So again, You're so there's all this term, whole yeah. thing harder is better.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Last one. Do you have any pets?
2: Oh, you know, we can't. I lost my pet um, oh. three weeks ago. So oh, I can't really go there. Michael, sorry about the that. The German Shepherds love
0: them. Oh, so. Sorry, yeah. we, okay, we won't go there. We've all lost pets and it's tough. Yep. My dad just uh lost his uh, mm-hmm. recently, so he's pretty upset about that. He didn't think he would Sorry, be. Sorry, pop, but uh but he is. Yeah. But um all right, well, we won't touch on that subject cuz that'll we'll all lose it and then that's that's the podcast. Yeah. We don't want to do that. But I will say thank you for well, gracing fun. us thank with you. your presence, Michael. Super
1: excellent, man. Okay,
2: now but now you have to do the same thing. It's like when you take Here's the last thing. Uh, you know you, you, you like people listening here you okay. know didn't know about storyboards but you also when you take a pitch meeting right mm-hmm. and you have a really good meeting Mm-hmm. You also have to know when to do the exit mm. because if you take too long to exit, it takes the sh- the energy out that guy wasted my time or yeah. he's kind of a talker. Now I don't like his ideas right. as much or if th- every time I take a meeting, he doesn't know when to leave or whatever. So the same thing as I said at the very beginning, mm-hmm. again, you, you, I, the thank you, great, blah, 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 but we should just like end it on we, like, we do this. you know, underwear uh, as outerwear is awesome. And then
0: <laughs> that, well, there we go underwear Done. as outerwear is awesome and That's... and basketball kicks ass yes peace bye